0: Pulpit minister from Circle Church in Corvallis, and he'll be speaking to us today. Thank you, Carl. A little while ago, uh, our brothers offered a baseball analogy. Well, I think, Ron, the reality is, in terms of leading worship, it's a home run so far. So good for you, and thank you for encouraging us. Ron said a few minutes ago, would it be all right if before you preach, we sing, sing and be happy? So yeah, of course. I mean, that's a great song to sing. But my prayer is that by the time I finish preaching and before you go to bed tonight, that you will recognize an even greater gift than happiness that God desires to pour out upon you. You know, in childhood, going to bed was just not my favorite thing, and I think that it may have something to do with the kinds of going-to-bed routines that we had when I was a little kid. I mean, think about that old prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. Now, wait a minute, parents. Hang on just a minute. You want me to go to bed and probably die? You told me there aren't monsters under the bed. I'm having a hard time trusting you. Or how about that old lullaby? lullaby? rock of baby, in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bough breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come cradle, baby, and all. No, stop, stop, stop. You want me to go to sleep, and I'm going to be up high in this tree, and you already know the tree is going to break, and I'm going to crash to the ground. What kind of parents are you? And so it really is one of those kinds of things that... Uh, No, I need another drink of water. I need to go to the bathroom for the 15th time because I'm not about to go to sleep with all those kinds of things, right? So I think we need a new bedtime prayer. I think we need a new lullaby for adults. This is a Gallup poll from December 2013. It indicated that 40% of Americans reported getting less than 7 hours of sleep. A little more contemporary, this one's from Britain. May 4th, 2018, an issue of The Independent. The average Briton gets 6 hours, 18 minutes of sleep per night. Can you just imagine these interviews? Oh, if I could only get 6 hours and 19 minutes, everything would be fine, but this 618 is just not working for me. I mean, we really have known for a long time that sleeplessness has negative consequences. But you may not know that there was a 15th century Italian lawyer called Hippolytus de Marsilius, and he, de- he documented that sleep deprivation was a really good way to punish prisoners. And this is the same guy who researched and found out that that slow-drip water torture really works. I'm thinking this might be the guy who wrote those old lullabies and fou- falling out of the trees and so on. I, I, I'm not sure I like this guy very much. People want to sleep, that goes without saying, right? 2015, Consumer Reports, Americans spent $41 billion, with a B, $41 billion on sleep aids, and the projection for the year 2020 is $53 billion. Trying to go to sleep. But you know, it kind of gives me an idea for how to increase church attendance, see? You say, you just go and you just say to people, hey, you know, you just got to come to church next Sunday because this guy Greg is preaching and every time Greg preaches, everybody goes to sleep. Might work. Now, how about I give you a lullaby for adults? Psalm 3 is a morning hymn. Psalm 4 is an evening hymn. And so I invite you to open your Bible to Psalm 4. And what I propose that we do is look at it verse by verse, and then once we've had a chance to kind of dig into some details, I want to pull it all together and give you a lullaby for adults. Psalm 4. Verse 1 can be translated two different ways. And that's not altogether bad, because in the process, the psalm taps into two different feelings we might have at bedtime. The NIV translation. Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. Sometimes we're frantic when it's time to go to sleep. And in this reading right here, I hear that the lullaby singer, he's just insistent. He's just wrought up. Answer me. Give me relief. Be merciful. Hear my prayer. It's almost breathless. Me, 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 my, 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 please. Frantic. Frantic hard to fall asleep when you're feeling like that. At other times at bedtime, we feel more confident, and the ESV translation gives us verse 1 with one big change. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Hear the difference? You have given me relief when I was in distress. With this reading, the psalmist is confident, focused on the fact that God's already showed mercy in the past. God's already demonstrated his ability to answer prayers, and past experience emboldens the psalmist, this faithful singer, to confident prayer as he's trying to go to sleep. But you know, even when we're confident in God, even at those moments, it can be hard to fall asleep because some nights... Your mind is just stirring and your feelings are flying all around and it's just one idea. At bedtime, you may be feeling torn down and worthless. Verse 2, how long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? The psalmist is asking the question of some other people. And scholars dig deep into this and there's some linguistic hints here that the singer's opponents are some wealthy people who are very influential in his life. They're going to have they have impact over him. Maybe they're critiquing him because their own lives are different or maybe they just like giving people a bad time. I mean, we know a few folks like that. But the psalmist has enough confidence in God that in response to their critiques, he rebukes his opponents. He points to them and says, you're deluded by life. You're worshiping the wrong God and expecting the wrong God to assist you. And so now the singer invites them back to the true but invisible God. And one of the reasons why is because this is such a man of faith that to attack the psalmist is to attack his God. And that's so unsettling. There are nights when it's difficult to go to sleep because of the words that somebody said to us during the day. Boss just made an offhand comment, but as you ruminate about it and you stir it back and forth, you're kind of wondering what was the message that you were supposed to take away. Was, was there something more than what I heard on the surface? Or, or the coworker or a student in the class who just kind of takes a shot at you and they're supposed to be a joke, but boy, it just cuts you to the. And now it still just keeps coming up as you're trying to go to sleep. Maybe somebody attacked your Christianity. did what yesterday? You wasted half your day at church? Well, it was... And there's ways in which it can result in you starting to compare yourself with other and those thoughts are stirring and you're thinking about and I'm coming up short. You've got to remember who God is and whose you are. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it reminds us that we weren't redeemed, we weren't purchased by God with cheapo stuff like, oh, let's say, just all the gold in Fort Knox. No, rather, you were bought with the precious blood of Christ. God has established your worth. And no matter what other words are said about you by influential people, it cannot alter the reality, the fact, that God has already said you are prized and worth more than gold. So, good night. At bedtime, you may be feeling unsure if God's even aware of you. Does he really hear me? We pick up at verse 3. Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. One of the problems of hearing some slander from people during the day or just some words from influential people is that over time, you may start to believe them. I've had that experience of hearing, being told so many times something about my incompetence that I began to think, yeah, I I guess I am unable, not up to the task. But the underlying language points to you as something very special. There's saint language here. There's holiness, sanctified language here. And, and so in essence, what the people around you don't know is that God has set his favor on his faithful servants. The God of steadfast love has set special affection on you. Okay, we know John 3.16. For gods to love the world they get God so loved the world. Yeah, that's good. God loves everybody. That's wonderful. That's a good thing, and it's a true thing. But what this verse reveals is that God loves everyone, but the flavor here is that he has an even greater measure of love for his people, for his saints, for his sanctified ones. And if a God loves us that much, clearly he will be aware of you and aware of your situation and I, I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, but a lot of people have talked with me about the fact that, you know, Greg, it seems like sometimes when I pray, the prayer just goes up to the ceiling and bounces right back. It's as if there's, it just doesn't get through. It's as if there's some kind of a solid ceiling up there. And when I pray, I'll tell you what, in this lullaby, the singer knows a fact that is truer than any feeling of bouncy, feeling, bouncy ceilings when he says, the Lord hears when I call to him. That's a good affirmation when it's time to go to sleep. So, good night. Sometimes it's hard to get to sleep because we're feeling so wrought up with emotion. Verse 4, in your anger do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. You know those influential people who are giving you those grief words? One of the things that can happen at about 11 o'clock at night is you start thinking about, how am I going to get back at them? Maybe a little revenge would make me feel better. Don't focus on revenge. That'll just consume you and increase your stomach acid and there are not enough tums on the nightstand to take care of that. Ephesians 4, you know these New Testament words, 426, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Interesting, we're talking about going to bedtime. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anger. This word at Psalm 4.4 is really a broader word. It's a really a broader collection of emotions than just what we typically think of as anger. Psalm 4.4, we could read it this way. Be agitated and sin not. Or tremble and sin not. Ever had that experience where you're just so emotional that your body even just just quakes a little bit? Here's the alternative. Go to bed. Search your heart. In the Old Testament, the proper relationship with God is a blend of both fear and fear and trust think of it this way fear in the sense that you recognize god is god and i'm not which is a really good thing that god is the be all end all god is the supreme power of all creation and trust in you in the sense that that very same god is the final answer to my struggles so you know there at two o'clock in the morning trying to sort it all out You and your devices are not the final solution to emotional messes. Stop trying to sort it out. I don't know about you, but I've discovered it, you know, one o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. My brain just doesn't process things well anyway. Everything that's about this big gets 12 times bigger. And there's just a kind of a twilight aspect in which the problem-solving... So how about this? God we fear is worthy of trust, so let it rest. Rest in Him. And some recent research that I find kind of intriguing is that lots and lots and lots of people are sleeping with their cell phone. Don't have that habit of sleeping with your cell phone for one last glimpse at facebook unless you really do want to be agitated angry and trembling get silent get calm good night It isn't easy to get to sleep when you're feeling torn. What direction of life should I take? What's the right decision? What should, what should I do? 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 Verse 5, offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Hang on with me. At verse 2, we met some people who were critics of the psalmist, and verse 5 seems to be the answer back to them. Verse 5 is the right recommendation for them. Those people need to seek repentance. They need to turn away from the false gods and turn to the true God and the life that he commends. And as people of Old Testament times, they should make the appropriate guilt offerings. That's what they should do. How about this? If you can't go to sleep and you stop and you're thinking about 2 o'clock in the afternoon when you said that to a co-worker and in retrospect it's like, I shouldn't have done that. Or 7.45 and the way you were chatting with your kids and what you did for them was like, no, that's, that's wrong. Make the decision at that very point while you're trying to go to sleep to repent from that sin, to confess it to God. You may need to make some plans about how you're going to go to that person and get it right tomorrow. But claim the forgiveness that God offers when we walk in the light. Trust God. Let the guilt go. And for those of us who live in light of the cross, for those who historically live on this side of the sacrifice of Jesus, this side of the cross, I think Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 offers some really important insight to sacrifice. Give me just a second. Britney Spears does great with these things, but I'm not Britney Spears. <laughs> Did you notice? Romans 12, 1 and 2, important insight to sacrifice. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, the life of sacrifice is the perfect platform for good decision-making. Because from that foundation, you can absolutely fully trust that your life direction is so much more apt to be pleasing to God. Why? Because the world pattern of your old life is being increasingly put to death, death and the new mind is being created. And one of the consequences is that your discernment increases. Well, that's a good thing when it comes to decision making and what should I do? So, yeah, having a hard time going to bed, going to sleep, worrying about things. What should I do? What should I decide? What should I do? Well, first and foremost, trust God. Because you've given yourself to him and he will enhance your ability to discern. Good night. My brother was talking about some of our acquaintances and folks we don't even know in other corners of the world. Feeling it's a bedtime maester as you consider the people around you who are troubled. I mean, we're compassionate people. And consequently, there are moments where what's going on in other people's lives strikes us as well. We know people who are troubled by shifts in American culture, shifts in values, what's true, what's false, what's good, what's wrong. Some people are troubled by that. It seems that Jesus was true. There are always... Wars and rumors of wars, and there are difficulties whether we talk about Turkey and the Kurds, whether we talk about Hong Kong and protests, so many corners of the world. Those things can be concerning. We have friends, and we listen to them, and they're fearful of job loss because they live paycheck to paycheck, and if the next paycheck doesn't come, they're a little concerned about what that means, or there are the people who are already living on the street, We certainly care about folks within your own body of Christ right here. I'm sure that you pray for people who have physical afflictions. Ah, the cancer diagnosis. I'm getting old. And if you're a parent, and you're trying to go to sleep, and you know that your children are wrestling with something big, it just keeps you awake. Why can't we go back to the old days when they were two years old, and you could kiss their boo-boos and put a Band-Aid on it, and the whole world was fixed? And it's not like that anymore. And verse 6 is really a question and answer. Verse 6 is a question and answer. Question: Many are, ask is, many are asking, who can show us any good there are a lot of people around us asking that question these people that are in our minds who can show us any good and the answer let the light of your face shine upon us oh lord interesting answer i notice that the psalmist doesn't pray oh lord just make everybody happy again <laughs> doesn't do that Instead, he reaches back to Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. He reaches back to a blessing that the priests were to pronounce over the people, and he adapts it to his own moment. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. You see that? The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. If you really care about people, no matter what is going on in their lives, a fantastic prayer to pray is that they will look to the light of God, that God will shine His face upon them and bless them. No matter what it is that their struggle entails. And if you're not a Christian, I certainly pray that you will look towards God, look towards His light, because He wants to shine His face upon you and bless you. I hope that you would trust God so much with your life that you would say, Jesus is my Lord, my King, my absolute Sovereign. And because of that, no longer just about me, now it's, what does life look like when I'm imitating Christ? And at the waters of baptism, God does a wondrous thing. Old self dead, so new self, new mind new ability to live is born. If you want to talk some more about that, I'd be happy to talk with you before you leave, or just talk to the person who invited you here. I know that they would help you as well. Yeah, it's interesting, but the psalmist doesn't just pray, oh Lord, just make everybody happy. And I think the reason why is because he understands that you're able to sleep once you find your joy. Your joy again. Verse 7. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. God's gift of joy, it really is greater than all earthly earthly riches. Riches are transients. Goods are transients. Here today, gone tomorrow. And this man lives in an agricultural world. In the agricultural world of the psalmist, harvest season, when grain and new wine abound, when they're plentiful, that's absolutely wonderful. But My wife Pam and I like to go to Oktoberfest up in Mount Angel, Oregon. And uh, there's lots and lots of good street food at that festival. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a harvest festival. It has some German roots, but it's basically a, a harvest festival. And with those German roots, there's lots of polka bands. Well, one night I finally convinced, coerced my wife to go ahead and enter a polka contest with me. So the music started, and we looked foolish. But at the end of it, the judge walks up, and he gives us the second-place ribbon. And then the third-place ribbon, because he said, I'm tired of handing these things out. Well, I'll tell you, a second-place ribbon is great, but it won't buy you any bratwurst. See, it's a German festival, and yeah. The psalmist isn't filled with joy because he's rich enough to rest and have provision all winter. That's not where it comes from. His joy overflows because he knows God himself. Because he experiences consistently the blessing of God's face upon him. And that, that is security. Security. So, joyful. Good night. Verse 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Hear it again. Verse 8. In peace. I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord. Make me dwell. In safety. With the Lord's lullaby singing in his ears. With faith in the Lord. His source of solace and safety and security. The psalmist drifts to sleep. Good night. We've explored the wealth of insight in the words of Psalm 4, but now I want to read the whole lullaby to you I lived with this psalm for a while, and this is my paraphrase. It's not a translation, it's my paraphrase. You may have already discovered that praying the psalms or putting in their own words is a very powerful experience. And so, Psalm 4, in my words. A lullaby for adults. Psalm 4. Good night God, whether I come with frantic cries or confident remembrances of your former work, answer me when I call to you, hear my evening prayer. Good night opponents, why do you speak slander against me? You are the ones living a deluded life, living by false world promises. And when you slander me, you slander my God. I know that because God has chosen me as one of his people and he loves me more than words can begin to describe. So, I know that every time I pray, He hears every word. Good night, saints. When people have troubled you, don't let it leave you all stirred up. Leave judging to God. Look to your own heart. Find Him, the God you fear and trust. Then settle down. Be silent. And decide to turn to God as living sacrifice tonight and tomorrow. Remember, trust in the Lord. Good night, self. So many people around me do question why life isn't going better. So, Lord, show yourself to them, shine your face to them, let them see your life of light. In contrast, my joy is overflowing. It's even greater than time with family and friends at the November Thanksgiving table or Oktoberfest. Good night, God. I'm going to sleep now because you have given me joy and peace. And while I sleep, I know you will be awake on watch to keep me safe. Good night, Father God. Good night, my beloved child.